Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. How many of you believe God works best in our mess? Um, there's a young man who's going to be speaking today, and no, I'm not a young man anymore, so it's not me, but um, um, this week had been so busy for me, and I knew coming into this week it was going to be extremely difficult to do what I needed to do throughout the week and then preach a sermon on Sunday. I would have not been able to give you my best. And so a young man today who just recently got ordained by the Church of God Ministries of uh, Anderson, Indiana, uh, Joey Vegerano, or you can call him Joseph, right, is going to come forward. I ask him to continue on in our series. He's a lot more masculine than I could ever be. Uh, but uh, yeah, but before we get him up here, um, I just remembered that we've got to send the kids. So if you are kindergarten through sixth grade, uh, your teachers and leaders are going to be to my left, your right over here. Can you meet up with them? Make sure you have your tags. And parents, you have your pickup tags. Um, oh, you guys look awesome. I want to go. And I just might. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Hi, Grayson. How are you? You look great. I love that. All right. Oh, oh my gosh, you're not. They look so much alike. I'm sorry, Mark. I love you. Anyway, it's not about you. It's all about me. I mean, him. I know. Oh, my gosh. She was coming from this section. The lights are blinding. I, I know dad's back there. He's like, that was my kid. Anyway, all right. I'm setting you up for success this morning. So... Joey Veterano is going to be leading us today. He is a father, an amazing husband. Uh, how many kids do you have in the home now? 12, 13? Seven. Just seven. seven. Okay. Uh, but uh, that is a true ministry uh, for him. And uh, I'm sure you'll hear more of his story in just a moment. Uh, he is the director of Life Choices here in Western Pennsylvania. They have four different medical clinics throughout Western Pennsylvania. He's got his work cut out for him. He's got some of his uh, faithful colleagues here with him who are still on staff there. Yes. And they're here to support him as well. Uh, but would you um, settle in as he talks to us about learning to remember? To remember, you know. Remember. Which is remembering to not, remember. Not forget. Not forgetting. All right. Love you, brother. Have fun. <laughs> I love Brandon so much. He, he gives me so much joy just to watch him. And uh, then there's times where I'm like, I don't know how he can do what he does and like keep going. Like he'll say stuff and I'm like, if I said that, I would be like kicked out of there. <laughs> I love you, Brandon. So thank you for the intro on remembering. That was great. Um, no, so I, I wanted to, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. I'm nervous as all out, get out. I, um, if you're in your mind thinking that you come up here and you're not nervous at all and you're, you know, you have it all like just together, you just don't understand what it's like to come up here then, <laughs> because it's not like that. Maybe you need to get, think about, you know, coming up here if, you're, if you always thought it was a certain way. It doesn't mean that you don't have confidence in what the Word of God says over you and what, what the Word of God is going to say, hopefully, to us as a community. But um, I just wanted to just be honest. I'm really nervous. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for letting me come up here. And um, could we pray? That's okay. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the love that you have for us. Father, we don't want to try to create something that is man-made. We want what you have. We want what you are. So, Father, we want to open up our hearts to you. We want to open up our ears to you. We want to know what you want. Father, if there's people in here that don't know you, 
I, I pray that they would hear a message of grace and a message of, um, I, hear, I pray that they would hear who they are for the first time, maybe. But the ones that are in here that are part of your body, Lord, the ones that you call children, I pray that we would, uh, we would listen up, that we would hear you, and that we would know that you are good no matter what. In Jesus' name, please be with my words. Please remove me from this and speak through me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I had like four people pray for me as I was coming in. I was like, they either really are excited or really nervous. <laughs> but, and Christy's like, is nervous. <laughs> I love you, Christy. I haven't seen you in a while. Hi. Um, so I want to just throw out, I want to I ask this question. How easy is it for you to remember? Brandon showed that it's really not easy to remember. Just, you know, right there. That was really funny, by the way. <laughs> I'm like the worst with names, the worst. So it was just fun that you got to do that for me. Um, how easy is it to forget the opposite? Is anybody really good at remembering, like, say, birthdays? I know there's one for sure in here that's really good. Rika, she's like the birthday queen. She's like, don't say that. I'm going to forget someone's birthday. <laughs> but, like, you know, if we're talking about stuff like that, like facts or, you know, I'm really horrible at movie quotes, so please don't ever talk to me about movies. You're like, you ever watched that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. You remember when this happened? No. No, no. <laughs> Not a chance. Um, I just can't. My brain doesn't process that way. There's a lot of people that can, like, remember. I have a friend. He, he can remember, he says, the most useless information in the world. And it's, like, really, like, interesting information, but it's, like, why do you remember that? <laughs> like, that's, that's just funny. That's not the kind of remembering we're talking about today. This is not the remembering of studying for a test, right, the night before so that you can ace it the next day and, you know, say you did really good in math. It's, it's not, that's not the kind of remembering that we're talking about. We're talking about a different kind of remembering, and I, hopefully I can unpack that a little bit, and it would make sense. Our key point today is remembering God's hand throughout our past is the means by which we stay the course for the future. Let's say that again. Remembering God's hand throughout our past is the means by which we stay the course for our future. If, the, if it's one thing, when I read that, it's like, man, that sounds so good. I just have to remember. But then all of us just got done saying, like, we are not good at remembering. Neither were the, neither were the Israelites in Deuteronomy. <laughs> like, God continuously said things, commands, and said literally word for word, remember me, don't forget. And they would just constantly forget. And I don't know if you're like me when I'm reading that. I'm like, dude, how many books has it been? You guys keep forgetting. And then God gives me like a little reminder of how I forget. And then I'm humbled. And I think that right there is what I want to talk about. Are we willing to be humbled in front of a God that will father us if we allow him to? When I say father us, I mean he will discipline the ones he loves because if he doesn't, that's not love to him. And maybe we need to unpack that a little bit because of how discipline has gotten such a bad rap in this world. But if you wanna, if you wanna open up to Deuteronomy 8, one through 20, we're gonna, we're gonna read through some of that. I'll give you a chance to get there. As you're getting there, I want to read a definition of remember. A couple of them I found were have in or be able to bring to one's mind an awareness of someone or something that, has, that one has seen, known, or experienced in the past. That's one definition. Another one is more simple. To bring to mind or think of again. The definition of forget is to lose the remembrance of. 
to be unable to think of or recall. Or another one, this is what I liked, was to treat with inintention or disregard, to forget. There's a, my wife and I have been to, I think it's called, it's like focus on the family's marriage thing. What's that called again? It's like family life. There you go, me remembering. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's what a weekend to remember. <laughs> I, that's really funny. Wow. That was not a joke. That was serious. Whew. All right. <clears throat> so, yes, thank you, Sarah. Um, what's interesting to me is that they would always say when it was talking about our relationship that you're, it's, it's not stagnant. It's always moving. It's either going towards isolation or it's going towards togetherness. And it's one, of the, it's one of the coolest things that I've taken away from, from that weekend is you can't just sit in the same spot. It doesn't matter if you're in a horrible spot or if you're in a really good spot, you're, it's not gonna stay that way just by sitting. That's, that's just the truth. We ha, we're, we're, moving, we're moving one, or, one way or the other in, in, in this life, no matter where you are. And if you, if you don't believe in, in Christ, it, that's, that's still true. You, you can you just sit on the couch for a little bit and your money's going to start dwindling, dwindling. Right? Especially if you have seven kids. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let's, let's read from Deuteronomy. <clears throat> I'm actually going to, I have brought a different Bible here, so I'm going to read the same one that we've been reading for the last couple of weeks. So it's, I think it's the New Life Transition NLT. But Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 20, it's a call to remember and obey. Be careful to obey all the commands I am giving you today. Then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. See, they're in the wilderness. We talked about this the last couple weeks a little bit. Why are the Israelites in the wilderness? What's the reason they're there for? You know, we can say it's because God's disciplining them. We can say that God's, you know, he said it. There, there was a generation that needed to die off before the next generation would co- go to the promised land, right? And that, that's, that's what was said. But here we get a different glimpse of what God, his reason for bringing him in, <clears throat> bringing them into the wilderness. Did you hear that? Bringing them into the wilderness. God did it. He, he led them into the wilderness, and there's a reason. Excuse me. Let's keep going here and you're going to see it. So, yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, but rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. A couple verses before it says we... Remember the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Why? Humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. He's talking to his people. He wants to see. They've been, they've been so up and down. It's weird to think God, the one that knows everything, is bringing us into the wilderness because he wants to see if we're going to follow him, if we actually want to follow him. You know, one of the most unattractive things to people that don't believe is, is a believer that claims Jesus by, by name, but none of it really changes their life. And maybe that sounds harsh, but it, it doesn't need to be harsh. We need to change why that, why, why we view that as harsh. That's a, that's a God who loves us deeply and wants to change our hearts. He, he, he's not trying to just convert us. I have a brother, and I don't know if he'll ever watch this, but hey, Mike. I have a brother that once told me, he's like, if you need Jesus to be, be a good person, that's fine. You can keep that crutch, but I'm going to be a good person on my own. 
And he truly believes that. Like, I'm not, going, I'm not talking about him in a bad way. Like, he just believes that. 100%. Looks me in my face and it's like, whatever, dude. If you need that, good. I'm, I'm good over here, though. Do we sometimes slip into those modes based on our circumstances in life? Just a question to ponder. The first point that I want to give is I believe that a habit of acknowledging God will help us to remember. You see, if the key point is remembering God's hand throughout our past is the means by which we'll stay, then we need to remember to remember, <laughs> right? But that sounds useless because if, we're, if we have trouble remembering, what's going to help us remember? And I believe that acknowledging God or having a habit of acknowledging God helps us to remember. What do I mean by that? You know, we're singing all of these songs, and, and some of us, you know, with the history that we have with God, we've been through things, some of us, and we've seen his hand move in ways that have blown us away. Wow. Blown us away. And so we're going to remember those things in the midst of tragedy and hardship to get through. Why? Because we know he's good. That is a really good way to acknowledge and remember the Lord. But maybe you're here and you're singing these songs and you're looking around, everybody's closed eyes, their hands are up, and you can't help but think these emotions come and you can't, you can't just not feel something, right? So your emotions come to like, but he wasn't there for that. Why did I go through this? Why was I molested? Why, why am I going through the trouble I'm going through now? God, if you're here, why? Can we handle those real emotions? Because I'll tell you what, it's useless to push the emotions away and just play the part. It doesn't do anything. So, acknowledging, having a habit of acknowledging God will help us remember. Acknowledgement, what is acknowledgement? It's to recognize the rights and authority or status of or just simply to take notice of. You know, it has no, acknowledgement does, is not attached to, your, to your, um, it, your circumstances being good. Does that make sense? It means I can acknowledge that the, that the God of the universe is right there with me in the midst of me going through impossible situations. I can acknowledge, God, you say you want, you are my shield, you're my everything, but I don't know what's going on right now because of what I'm going through. But I know even though I'm doubting that and I'm having trouble, I'm going to acknowledge who you are in any ways. How many know that's, that's called faith? It's saying that, you know what, this God that I've placed my life in, this is not my Savior here, this is my Lord. Hear the difference. My Savior saves me from the things that I'm going through. Saves me. It's all true. He saved me from sin. That's something we can all remember if we're a believer. And, it, and, and you know what? Regardless of what I feel, that is the greatest thing that we can remember. But what I'm telling you is don't push away or disregard the emotions that naturally come. It, it's useless. But... Don't take those emotions and place them on the lordship of your life. Yes? That's where, I promise you, for some reason the enemy has tricked us to think that confession and repentance is somehow against us. It's somehow bad for us. Confession and repentance is freedom. It's a tool that God has given us so that we can be free. I would actually say if we don't confess and we don't repent, there isn't freedom. There's no freedom there. What we're scared of is every, what everybody else thinks. I'm, what I get nervous about, right? I come up here and I'm like, whoa, everybody's going to think I stink at this. Like, I almost said a different word. But like, I'm learning from my mentor over here. I'm so sorry. I love you. <laughs> but isn't that true? 
We, keep, we take our eyes away from the one that is saying, come to me, confess, repent. And it's this loving dad that's saying, it's not just confess and repent your sin. It's confess and repent the, the doubt we have because, God, you weren't here for these scenarios. And, I'm, and I'm, I want to trust you, but help me with this. Help me understand I'm coming to you anyways. I'm acknowledging you, but I'm not there. I'm not there yet. We have a God that is so understanding of the things that we have gone through, more than we can understand. He knows the hardship that we've gone through. He knows the stuff that we're in. He loves us and he wants to guide us through it. He is more concerned about strengthening us so that sin and deceit and the enemy can never have a hold on us again than changing our circumstances. Does that make sense? How many people in here with your, if you have children or if you, have, if you, just, if you don't have children, this is still for you because you, you, I promise, are probably in so many other children's lives of your friends. Like auntie and uncle of the year all the time. We got a couple of those in our life and we would be not the same without them. So don't you let the enemy lie to you because you don't have children of your own that, that, that you're not somehow part of that. But what do we want for our kids? Do we want their life to go perfectly with no trouble? Yeah, sometimes if we're honest, yes. I want nothing bad to happen to my kids. I want them to be great. I want to, to set them up perfectly for them to do exactly what would do well for them and for them just to understand what that is. But there's a lot of factors that we don't have control over, especially when they get older. That was a deep amen, full of anguish and joy and all. I loved it. But what do we, what do we truly want? I think if we think about what, what God is doing here, he led them through the wilderness because they were choosing whatever they wanted to choose. God is simply like the first command, have no other God before me. We never talk about this because God's big and he's perfect and he's good. And he has rocked me in this last couple of weeks in this topic specifically. We always talk about how God loves us. Did you know that he wants our love back? Did you know that he probably hurts daily from the amount of people that he's created, kids he's created that just spit out his name. We don't talk about that because he's perfect, right? He doesn't, he, he can't hurt. I would, I would challenge that. Maybe that's a top, maybe that's something to ponder this week. Does God hurt? What, what does our sin do to him? I think that's so good for us to ponder. Maybe it would help us see that confession, repentance is an act of mercy. It's not an act of trying to get control of us. That's not what our God does. I have um, my firstborn, she's five. Her name is Adelina. And uh, she's, she's a sweetie. And um, one morning, we, I think it was about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, making eye contact with my wife here because it was a rough <laughs> week in multiple ways. But two of our kids had like hand, foot, and mouth, which if you've ever, that's the first time that's ever happened in our parenthood. And I wouldn't wish that on the worst enemy of mine. Like, the, <laughs> so essentially, it's a lot of screaming, a lot of crying, a lot of hurt, and for about a week. And this is about two weeks ago. So everybody's good. But I remember it was 5 a.m., because this is when our kids wake up. It was 5 a.m., and Caleb was already screaming. He's our three-year-old. He was just screaming because he was in pain. His mouth hurt from the hand, foot, and mouth thing. Noah, who's two, 
is not only screaming, but he's like running around. If you know Noah, he's just a wild man and he like is running and screaming. So we have two, at 5 a.m., we were like tired as all can be because they were screaming all night. And Adelina, she's five, gets up and she starts just disobeying completely, like just left and right, stuff that she doesn't normally do. And so I stop her, I'm like, honey, what are you doing? Like, not okay, don't treat mom that way. And she looks at me, no lie, word for word, and goes, daddy, don't you see what's happening? (laughs) She keeps going and I'm like, Half kind of still like, don't you talk to your mom that way? And then I'm like kind of intrigued. (laughs) Don't you see what's happening? Caleb is screaming. Noah is crying. This is just hard. (laughs) And then she looks at me and no lie says this. I want to obey daddy, but but this is just difficult right now. (laughs) And she's she's five years old and I look at her and I'm like... (laughs) What <laughs> was my first response? You were five. You should... The second response was just like, I feel like God just, just pierced me in the heart with this. And I went down on my knee to her and I said, thank you for sharing that with me. And I said, in the midst of all of this, I didn't think about how hard this was for you. And she looked at me and said, okay, daddy, can we pray? <laughs> Stop it. What is going on? This, it's amazing. And I'm like, that does not, that's, not, that's not what happens normally. So don't get that kind of picture at all in your head. That's why it's so wild. It was in that moment where it was such a hardship for both of us in many ways. And then that was happening. And it gave me this realization. What happened there? She wasn't behaving correctly. Don't hear me. Behaving is is. is, is very much right. Like as a dad, I needed to step in. I needed to say, this is not okay. Right? The God, the father will discipline us that way because he's not going to, he disciplines the ones he loves. But do you understand in the middle of that discipline, my daughter looked at me, my daughter looked at me and said, daddy, I'm talking to you. Essentially I'm coming to you with the issue that I have. I'm not over my issue, but I'm going to you with it. And do you see what my natural response was? My natural response was as a dad to just melt at this little girl and be so thankful that she shared with me. If we're a believer in this room and you get convicted of something, the worst thing you can do is run away from God. The worst thing you can do is is make all the excuses possible. Don't you know how hard this is? That's not, what she was doing is she was coming to me. She wasn't going to Caleb. She wasn't going to one of the other kids and saying, She taught me something that day. I feel like God taught me something that day of how we can respond. It's an option to respond this way, regardless of what our circumstances are going through. So when you're singing the songs and we're, and we're, and we're, troubled, we're in trouble, like, I, I don't know, though. His promises, I, I haven't seen these. I, I've seen the goodness of God. All my life you've been faithful. But what about those times? And they're coming back and you just, they're pounding you. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is maybe acknowledging God in that is a good step. Maybe this week, instead of, because we don't need any help to acknowledge the circumstance. I'm going to say that again. We don't need any extra help acknowledging our circumstances. Everybody in here can say we are very aware what we're going through circumstantially. The enemy is a very tricky and deceitful person, being. He doesn't play fair. And he uses all the different emotions. But he doesn't have control over you as a believer. He only, get, he only has the authority that we give him. And so if I'm acknowledging God in the midst of all my tragedy, go read, read Psalms and watch David. David's not a, he's not a king that's just triumphing all the time. Sometimes he's in the midst of his 
just tears and on the floor, God, where are you? But he always ends it with, but I know you're good and I'm coming to you anyways. And maybe that's a good way for us to remember so that we can stay the course for the future. Point two, the fear of God reminds us who he is. So if we keep reading here, oh, sorry. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 4, for all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out, your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for, you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It's a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is, a, is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Why, why did it mention fearing him? Obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. What, what does that mean? Are we supposed to fear God? I've heard people say this, and I think that there's, there's multiple things here, that maybe it's a, it's a reverence, a respect for God. But then there's times in Scripture where people that believe in him are legitimately falling at their face in fear of this God. And then he comes and he gently lifts up their face. What is that fear? Is, is that like respect and reverence like turbocharged? Or is that an actual fear of God? And maybe it's just, maybe this is confusing for you. It's been confusing for me in the past, and, for, and even sometimes now. Do I really trust who he says he is? Which is one thing to talk about his works. It's one thing to remember what he's done works-wise and be like, okay, I know he'll do it again. <clears throat> but it's a whole other thing to remember the character of God and who he is in the midst of everything that's going on. And I believe what causes us to remember who he is and his character is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord helps me realize that I don't want anything else but him. Like, I, I don't even want to be tempted because why would I go anywhere else? I, one of my coworkers, I won't say her name because she'll get embarrassed, but... One of my coworkers is in here and she's gone through some crazy stuff. And, and she is always constantly telling us all, like she comes into tears talking about how God has been so amazing to her. And I know what's happened in her life recently. And it's, it's so difficult. And you're watching, you're like, what? And then she'll, she'll say, well, where else am I going to go? Where else am I going to go? I believe there's something there. I believe it's the fear of the Lord that she has. I don't want a fear of being away from him. A fear of being in this life again without him. I didn't grow up in the church. I heard, about the, I heard the gospel when I was 16. I doubted it. And I gave my life around 17. And God constantly showed up as a father in my life. And he would because I didn't have one in my life that was there present for many reasons. It, it, it makes me think, like, why would I want that to go away? Do you understand what I'm trying to say with this fear? It's, it, it's like I don't want to be fatherless anymore. 
Like, I, I, don't, I don't want to live a life without him. There's a fear there. There's comfort and there's, there's confidence in Christ. And the moment I step out of Christ, all that comfort, all that confidence, it's not there. All there is is the other kind of fear. Does that make sense? I hope some of these things will help us remember, help us place things practically in our life that will help us remember who he is, what he's done, who he is regardless of our circumstances. Do you know we just, we didn't do it right? Like, no matter if you grew up in the church or not, like if you're, if you're, History was, well, I've been in, in the church for 40 years, ever since I was a baby. You know, we still didn't do it right. Every single one of us was a sinner at one point. Still is if we have sin in our life, right? And when did God, in his, in his beautiful mindset and how he does things as a good dad and a he gets to choose his ways are higher than our ways. We wouldn't do what I'm about to tell you. We wouldn't do it. He says we wouldn't have done it. Nobody dies for, for even a good man. Some, maybe sometimes if that person is like, you know, that's, that's what scripture would say. But God shows his love for us when? While we were still sinners, that's when he chose to die for us. He chose to do it when our behavior wasn't there. If that doesn't convict your soul, if you're a believer in here, that's what was done for you. And then we, on the other hand, some of the hardest people, some of the hardest things is, right, what? Is forgiving people that do stuff to us. Some of the, some of the commands that God gives, <clears throat> I really believe that they're, he's reminding us when he, when he says, for example, when he says, don't be anxious, we're probably anxious in that point. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> it's not like God's cruel saying, you better stop being anxious. <laughs> that's, but that's what we think sometimes. At least maybe that's what I think, what I thought. And I realized that's not our God. That's not his character. The fear of the Lord has shown me who he is. That's not how he operates. He's saying, don't be anxious. I got a different way for you. Come to me while you're anxious, and I'm going to give you practical ways to do something different. What does he say? Instead of being anxious, come to me and pray about everything. I'm probably still anxious by praying about everything. You see it? It's, the, it's, this, it's this relationship that he wants. And we can't remember that. We can't let that get old. If we're, if we're getting older in, in the church and we're getting, you know, years and years and years and <clears throat> we think, well, you know, we must have need to get it by now. I've been saved for 20 years. That's how we think sometimes. But we need to remember some of this stuff fresh. Remember your first love. What God was doing. What we were doing when God was saving us. What were we doing when we first experienced that? Remembering what he's done there at that moment. There is a... Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When God convicts us, we have two choices. He's not going to make us repent. He's not going to make us confess. He offers it to us. But he simply says this. He says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. I don't think that we need to say anything more than that. You pick what we're going to do in your own life. 
There's a, uh, I was in an enduring word study. It says, some don't live by God's word because they fight with God's word. Not wrestle, but they fight with it. Well, this can't be right. I'm not going to live by it if I'm fighting it. Another part of there was, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not by every feeling that we experience. I hope you hear something, and then I'll move on. You cannot make emotions just disappear. It's useless to say, stop feeling this. I've had to learn a lot about this. Because I, I grew up in a big, large Puerto Rican and Italian family. We emotional. <laughs> we, got, we got some, uh, yeah. Actually, a really funny quick story. <laughs> Uh, when my wife was first meeting <laughs> my family, uh, we were all there at one time, all the brothers and sisters, there was five of us, and <laughs> we were just interacting normally, uh, as I thought. And I was like, oh, where is Kat? I don't know where she went. Have you guys seen Kat? No, I think she went outside a little bit ago. So I walk outside, and she's like pacing in the, <laughs> in the driveway, and I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I was just thinking, should I call the police or not? <laughs> and I was like, well, what are you talking about? I said, listen, the window's open. We're all like, they're like laughing in there now. And she's like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> she grew up as an only child, and I grew up with all this like loudness. And so it was just such a difference. But it was a really funny, hilarious story. Anyways, <laughs> I digress there. Why was I saying that? Do you know? Okay, never mind. Can't remember. Anyways. <laughs> right. I think there's, there's one last point before we can kind of move on here. And the, the last point here is treasuring God leads to remembering regardless of our circumstance. And I know some of these are kind of repetitive, but there's different aspects to them. What does treasuring God look like? Right? Somewhere in, somewhere in Scripture, right, it will say, um, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. We, we're, we're not talking about money. You know, the most true offering that we can have is our life. Of course, this place needs money. Of course, ministry, we need to have money to do things. You guys understand that with your own budgets at home, your own businesses. I understand that with running a, with running a nonprofit that is donor-based. And everything we do, we try to plan. But how do you plan if there's no income that's like we know for sure is going to happen? Some of you understand that. You trust that the Lord has created this ministry and we're going to go and we're going to keep going. I'm not worried about money because of that. This church is not going to be worried about money because of that because God's going to want it to keep going. But we have personal responsibility in that. The whole point, though, is that none of that matters more than our life being an offering to God. I'm saying that because we can get stuck on, on our finances as our main treasure. There's a part in scripture, Matthew 13, 44, it says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. That's the end of the parable. <laughs> Plain and simple, boom. He found it. He was so joyful, he hid it again. Then sold everything and bought the whole field. There's something to what he found that was so much of a treasure to him that everything else didn't even matter as much. We always talk about when things go hard. But the Israelites were being, being warned in this last part of, the, of Deuteronomy uh, 8, 1 through 20. They were being warned about what they were about to get. Right, so they were wilderness for 40 years. Well, they were about to transition into the promised land. And it was about to not be wilderness. It was about to be everything that they could think of. 
anything that they needed, the best land around. And God knew how we would operate without, um, without any thought. He knew how they would operate. And so he warned them. He said to basically be careful, but where that is that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he had led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. But I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. He's, he's warning them, I know how you guys can be. You're going to get everything. You're going to forget me, and you're going to think you did it all. We work hard for what we have. Do we acknowledge that it is God that gives us the ability to be successful? Do we acknowledge that he brings us into these places with lands that are, man, flowing with milk and honey. As a believer, I guess the point here is to treasure God so that when you get treasure, it's not more important than who he is. So regardless of the circumstances, I hope this is the point we leave with. Regardless of the circumstances we're in, the, the truth is this. There is no better place than to be in him and with him. Regardless of what we're feeling in that moment. If you're not a believer and you're like, yeah, whatever, man, it's easier for you to say. Or if you are a believer and you're like, you just don't know what I've been through true. I don't know what you've been through at all. But the truth is still there. We've bought the lie that when we follow Christ that everything is going to go well, circumstantially. We've just, we've done that. We've bought that. And the, and the, the concern with buying that and believing that is that when it doesn't go right, circumstantially, because God promises it won't go right circumstantially, everything, everything gets messed up. Our faith is not in what he does. Our faith is in who he is. What does he, of course he does stuff. He saved us. But who he is, treasuring the Lord, no matter what, God, like that coworker I have, where else am I going to go? There's a, there's a person, uh, have you ever heard of Francis Chan before? He um, said this, and I want to I share it with you. He said, in the movie of life, nothing matters except our king and God. Don't let yourself forget. Soak in it and keep remembering that it's true. He is everything. Maybe that's just what the, the practical move is from this week. We go home, and no matter what's happening, we just decide we're going to acknowledge that he's there. Maybe that's a good step. 
I'm going to acknowledge that you're right here no matter what. Whether it's I'm, everything is really great or whether everything is really not good at all. And we go from there together. I want to, I want to end with, with going back to talking about confession and repentance. Because I think God is going to continue to point us there. And we can move from it and we can run from it. But right there is where everything happens for us. Everything changes when we confess the sin that we have done, when we confess the sin that has been done towards us, when we repent, meaning we turn from whatever I was doing and go the other way in his power, he gives us the ability to be able to do that. Don't let anybody trick you to say that you can't repent. That we don't have the ability. God literally died for us and said to repent. So if he said to do it, he's going to give us the ability to do it. Sorry, I just, I know awkward silences can be weird. But ever you just sat like this and just stayed in silence? It doesn't happen at my house often. <laughs> but if we listen long enough, I promise you, he'll talk to us. You might not see, hear him. You might not hear him audibly. But it says faith comes by hearing the word of God. And you hear it every week. We hear it every week when we come here. I'm hoping that you hear it when you're reading at home. And God will speak. But we have to be listening. And I'm saying that I have to confess that. Sometimes I just, I have so much, I just need to keep going. I have, I don't want to forget any of the kids that I have. I, don't, I want them to know that they're individually special. I don't want to mess up a nonprofit that God's been doing amazing things in for years. These are the thoughts that hit me. You could have done this. Maybe this would have been better. You're really not good at all at this. Why are you even up here? <laughs> like, if we're honest, those are some of the things that try to come in. And if we stay quiet, and we start talking about some of these promises of who God is, maybe, he will speak to us. When we get... When this is all over, right, as believers, when this is all over and we're not uh, on this side anymore, we're, we're with him, we're not going to have the opportunity to persevere anymore. We're not going to have the opportunity to um, even have faith anymore. That's this side. That's trusting who he is now, treasuring him and saying, God, I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening or thank you for everything. I'm never going to forget you. And I'm going to put things in line to make sure I don't forget. Maybe I'm going to talk to somebody and say, okay, maybe once a week, let's just text each other and say, How, what do you, where did you see God today? What is God teaching you? It can't be just about a label. I'm a Christian, so cool, let me move. It's got to be more. He wants us deep. He wants us to seek him. He wants us to love him back. We, we accept his love and forgiveness. 
And so often we forget to give it back. When we worship here as a group, it's so beautiful. Worship him when you're by yourself. Worship him in your car ride to work. Or if you're with people, worship him in silence while you're working. Show him. Show him who he is to you. Does that make sense? And keep doing that. If you're in this place and you don't, you just, you don't know him, you don't have history with him because you just don't, you've never heard of him or you doubt him, I get that. I want you to know that he definitely wants you. But this is not some kind of like, he's not begging you. He loves you deeply, but he wants you to look at your life and see that you are the sinner in this scenario. He's not. He desires you and he wants you and he wants to bring you into his family, but he's not gonna make you. He's not gonna make any one of us come to him. And we can talk about, I love that there's, I love the, what's happening in, you know, what was happening in the Asbury scenario. One of the things that I've been pondering about and just listening through and you know, what does it look like? Because something like that happens and it puts it on the forefront of everybody and then you don't manipulate that. That's, that's not something you just, all right, we're gonna do that today. It's not how that works. God is saying something constantly. When a revival happens like that, or someone has to have seen who he is, treasure him, and confess and repent it all. I don't care what any of one of you say. This is what my God wants, and I'm going to do it. And then it's like it happens like that. Don't try to manipulate that. Don't ever, don't ever buy the, the lie like, you know, you, you can't manufacture. That's a better way. You can't manufacture that. Let God work in you personally. This is the stuff that God has been working in me for, for months, and it's just amazing how God put this time to, to bring this word at this time. It's how easily we forget. But we have to do something if we're going to remember him. So let's, let's pray, and we'll go from there. Father, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the way that you have shown us time and time again how you love us. But that you're a good father and you discipline the ones you loved. That you're not going to allow us to sin and just be okay with it. The whole reason for the cross the whole reason for the cross was because you loved us, yet there was a payment for sin. There was a payment for what we've done or what was done towards us. I pray that we would stop pushing away and making excuses for things that we do or what we've done because we're just hurting ourselves. God, would you open up our hearts and our minds to see that you offer these ways for us to come to you and that there is no other way to you but through Christ. There's no other way to you but believing what you've done on the cross for us and coming and stepping into relationship that you initiated and saying, I'm gonna trust you with my life. I'm gonna come to you with every circumstance. I'm not gonna stop believing in you because of a circumstance. I'm not gonna fake it till I make it. I'm gonna be authentic. I'm gonna come to you with what, I, what I'm going through, but I'm also going to trust that 
regardless of that circumstance, you are who you say you are. God, I just pray right now, if there's anyone here, if there's anyone here that's just feeling the draw of, of what you're saying, or maybe they're just, I don't really give a, anything about this. Regardless of where, we at, where we're at right now, Father, I just pray that you would move that Holy Spirit, that we would listen to who you are, we listen to your words, and that we would confess in our hearts first, in our hearts of the stuff that we've done, and we would repent. Father, thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for your goodness. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Maine is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.